and welcome to Seeking the Gospel Truth. I'm Giselle Aguiar. You know, the more I study the Bible, the more I realize that every single book from Genesis to Revelation all point to Jesus. In the Old Testament, Jesus is predicted. In the New Testament, he is revealed, preached, explained, and expected. You find him everywhere because Jesus is the hero of the entire Bible. I've covered most of the New Testament, and you can find those studies on my blog. This next series is a hunt for Jesus in the Old Testament. It's how God's story becomes our story when we invite him into our lives. It will help us get to know God better, more intimately. And that's what he wants. He wants a relationship with us. Yes, you and me. I pray that as you hear this message, it will inspire you to study the Bible daily for yourself. Seek the truth. I pray that God opens your heart, eyes, and mind to study what his spirit is trying to tell you. And as you become rooted in the word, you'll also be rooted in hope, joy, and peace. Let's dig in. Ezra chapters 1 through 3. God sends the people to reclaim, restore, and rebuild the temple. The books of Ezra and Nehemiah are the stories of the restoration of God's temple in Jerusalem and the city itself. It's around 538 BC. The Babylonians who captured the Jews and brought them to Babylon were gone. The Medes and Persians ruled by King Cyrus are in power. It's time for God's promise to the Jews of renewal and reconstruction to be fulfilled. Let's dig in. Ezra chapter 1. Cyrus allows the exiles to return. The first year of King Cyrus of Persia, the Lord fulfilled the prophecy he had given through Jeremiah. Stirred, he stirred the heart of Cyrus to put this proclamation in writing and to send it throughout his kingdom. This is what King Cyrus of Persia says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. He has appointed me to build him a temple in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Any of you who are his people may go to Jerusalem and Judah to rebuild this temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, who lives in Jerusalem. And may your God be with you. Wherever this Jewish remnant is found, let their neighbors contribute toward their expenses by giving them silver and gold, supplies for the journey and livestock, as well as voluntary a voluntary offering for the temple of God in Jerusalem. Then God stirred the hearts of the priests and Levites and the leaders of the tribes of Judah and Benjamin to go to Jerusalem and to rebuild the temple of the Lord. And all their neighbors assisted by giving them articles of silver and gold, supplies for their journey and livestock. They gave them many valuable gifts in addition to all the voluntary offerings. King Cyrus himself brought out the articles that King Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the Lord's temple in Jerusalem and had placed in the temple of his own gods. Cyrus directed Mithridath, the treasurer of Persia, to count these items and present them to Shezbazar, the leader of the exiles returning to Judah. This is a list of the items that were returned. 30 gold basins, 1,000 silver basins, 29 silver incense burners, 30 gold bowls, 410 silver bowls, and a thousand of other assorted items. In all, there were 5,400 articles of gold and silver. Shez Bazaar brought all 
of these along with when the exiles went from Babylon to Jerusalem. Ezra chapter 2, exiles who returned with Zerubbabel. Here is a list of the Jewish exiles of the provinces who returned from their captivity. King Nebuchadnezzar had deported them to Babylon, but now they returned to Jerusalem and the other towns in Judah where they originally lived. Their leaders were Zerubbabel, Jeshua with a J, okay. Nehemiah, Sariah, Reliah, Mordecai, Bilshan, Mizpar, Big Bai, Rehum, and Bena. And if you want to click on over to my blog or look at the rest of the chapters from 3 to 57, it lists the number of the men of Israel who returned from exile. And I will spare you all those names and spare me trying to pronounce them. So we're going to continue down to verse 58. In all the temple servants and the descendants of Solomon's servants, number 392. Another group returned at this time from the towns of Tel Malah, Tel Hashar, Kerub, Adon, and Immer. However, they could not prove that they or their families were descendants of Israel. This group included the families of Deliah, Tobiah, and Nakoda, a total of 652 people. Three families of priests, Hobiah, Hakaz, and Barzillai, were also, re also returned. This Barzillai married a woman who was a descendant of Barzillai of Gilead, and he had taken her family name. They searched for their names in the genealogical records, but they, but they were not found. So they were disqualified from serving as priests. The governor told them not to eat the priest's share of food from the sacrifices until a priest could consult the Lord about the matter, matter by using the Urim and Thummim, the sacred locks. So a total of 42,360 people returned to Judah. In addition, 7,337 servants and 200 singers, both men and women. They took with them 736 horses, 245 mules, 435 camels, and 6,720 donkeys. When they arrived at the temple of the Lord of Jerusalem, some of the family leaders made voluntary offerings toward the rebuilding of God's temple on its original site. And each leader gave as much as he could. The total of their gifts came to 61,000 gold coins, 6,250 pounds of silver, and 100 robes for priests. So the priests, the Levites, the singers, the gatekeepers, the temple servants, and some of the common people settled in the villages near Jerusalem. The rest of the people returned to their own towns throughout Israel. Ezra chapter 3, the altar is rebuilt. In the early autumn, when the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people assembled in Jerusalem with a unified purpose. Then Joshua, son of Jehozadak, joined his fellow priests and Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, with his family in rebuilding the altar of the God of Israel. They wanted to sacrifice burnt offerings on it as instructed in the law of Moses, the man of God. Even though the people were afraid of the local residents, they rebuilt the altar at its old site. Then they began to sacrifice burnt offerings on the altar to the Lord each morning and evening. They celebrated the festivals of shelters as prescribed by the law, sacrificing the number of burnt offerings and spec specified for each day of the festival. They also offered the regular burnt offerings and the offerings required for the new moon celebrations and the annual festivals as prescribed by the Lord. 
The people also gave voluntary offerings to the Lord. Fifteen days before the festival of shelters began, the priests had begun to sacrifice burnt offerings to the Lord. This was even before they had started to lay the foundation of the Lord's temple. The people begin to rebuild the temple. Verse 7. Then the people hired masons and carpenters and bought cedar logs from the people of Tyre and Sidon, paying them with food and wine and olive oil. The logs were brought down from the Lebanon mountains and floated along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea to Joppa, for King Cyrus had given permission for this. The construction of the temple of God began in mid-spring during the second year after they arrived in Jerusalem. The workforce was made up of everyone who had returned from exile, including Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, and his fellow priests, and all the Levites. The Levites, who were 20 years old or older, were put in charge of rebuilding the Lord's temple. The workers at the temple of God were supervised by Joshua with, son, with his sons and relatives, and, and Cadmiel and his sons, all descendants of Hodaviah. They were helped in this task by the Levites of the family of Henadad. When the builders completed the foundation of the Lord's temple, the priests put on their robes and took their places to blow their trumpets. And the Levites, descendants of Asaph, clashed their cymbals to praise the Lord, just as King David had prescribed. With praise and thanks, they sang this song to the Lord. He is so good. He is faithful. Love for Israel and Jews forever. Then all the people gave a great shout, praising the Lord, because the foundation of the Lord's temple had been laid. But many of the older priests, Levites, and other leaders who had seen the first temple wept aloud when they saw the new temple's foundation. The others, however, were shouting for joy. The joyful shouting and weeping mingled together in a loud noise that could be heard far in the distance. And that is the end of Ezra chapter 3. The value of a firm, solid foundation. This story brings back memories of the Surfside, Florida condo collapse that happened on June 24th, 2021. And I did an article on that. And um, you can click on over my blog and, and check that out. Basically, it was a 40-year-old high-rise oceanfront building that collapsed after years of neglect and corrosion by the storms and surf. The lives of 98 people were wiped out in seconds with no notice. Just like the Jews when rebuilding the temple, uh, just like the Jews when rebuilding the temple had to start with the foundation, our lives need a solid foundation in studying God's word and obeying it. There's no use in studying the Bible if you're not going to do what it says or learn from it. In Jerusalem, the returned exiles tried, but they would be nowhere near the majesty of Solomon's temple, whose story is in 1 Kings 4, 5, and 6. And if you want to click on over my blog, I've covered those. There were elders who remembered the first temple. They wept. They knew that they could never rebuild it like it once was. Pastor Sandy Adams comments. Quote, there were old men in the crowd, 80 to 90 years old. They'd seen Solomon's temple with their own eyes and knew these, this rebuilt temple paled in comparison. For one, it was smaller. It lacked the lavishness, ornamentation, craftsmanship of the first temple. It was also lacking spiritually. According to the Babylonian Talmud, there were five items missing from the second temple, which were present in the first. First thing was the Ark of the Covenant. 
Second, the holy fire on the bronze altar. Third, the Shekinah glory in the Holy of Holies. Fourth, the spirit of prophecy or Holy Spirit. And fifth, the Ormen and Thummim, tools the priests use to discern God's will. This lack caused the old men to weep. They realized afresh the consequences of their sin compared to Solomon's temple. Zerubbabel's was a shanty shack. Whereas the young men shouted for joy, their eyes were on the future. This was a significant step toward the reconstruction of their temple and their nation. We're told the weeping and rejoicing blended together to form a single sound. Here's a picture of our praise. It should be a blend of weeping and rejoicing. Real praise is a mixture of a broken heart over the past and a blessed hope for the future. Repentance and rejoicing. Sorrow over sin and joy in Jesus. Again, that's from Pastor Sandy Adams. You want to click on over my blog. There's a link to his message on this, these chapters. Oh, here are some more key points. God uses unlikely people to fulfill his promises. In Jeremiah 44 and 45, God predicted Cyrus's rise to power 100 years before he was born. Daniel knew this and told Cyrus. And this is an example of Bible prophecy being fulfilled. God is faithful in keeping his promises, and that's why studying Bible prophecy is so important. Over a million Jews lived in Babylon, yet only around 43,000 chose to return. This shows that many were attached to material things. They didn't want to trade in their secure, prosperous lives for an unknown one of hard work and uncertainty. They didn't trust God, and the pagan influence watered down their faith. Nevertheless, the Jews that stayed did contribute to the rebuilding. Zerubbabel, whose name means begotten in Babylon, or Babel, as in the tower, um, is a descendant of David, as well as an ancestor of Jesus. Thus, he fulfilled God's promise that there will always be a leader in the line of David. The most crucial phase of construction is the laying of the foundation. Without a solid foundation, a building will not endure the storms that are sure to attack it. The same is true for Christians. And Jesus told us in Matthew 7, starting in verse 24, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. Anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority and quite unlike their teachers of religious law. That again was Matthew 7, uh, verses 24 to 29. Christians in name only. Yesterday I did a post, um, both an article on the blog and a podcast on the Eastern Orthodox Church and what they believe and their religious practices. Just like the Roman Catholics, church leaders have strayed so far from the true word of God, from the gospel truth, that they are lost and far from God. That's what religion does. It started way back when Constantine introduced pagan practices into the Christian church so that the Roman pagans would attend. I believe that gave Satan a foothold in the church. Like a cancer, 
or a little bit of rust or water seeping into a seemingly solid foundation, it corrodes from within. Before anyone realizes it, the pagan practices, the idolatry that God hates is routine or tradition. The foundation is corroded and the house will fall apart. Do you call yourself a Christian? If you do, are you born again? Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, starting in verse 16, And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Jesus didn't suffer torture and die so we could have religion. He died so he could have a personal relationship with you. He died and rose again. He lives. He is the living God. He doesn't live in statues or icons. He lives in the hearts of every born-again believer. If you truly want to get close to God but are not sure, try this prayer. In Psalm 139, sincerely ask the Lord, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. That path of everlasting life is the only path to eternal life with Jesus in heaven. All other paths lead to hell. It's your choice, heaven or hell. Furthermore, it's a choice you need to make now while you're alive and coherent. Once you're dead, it's too late. No one can pray you or buy your way into heaven. There is no such thing as purgatory and hell is for real. If you're not sure if you're saved or not, if you truly want to be born again and have the assurance of salvation, receive the Holy Spirit again a one-way, non-stop ticket to heaven after you die, or that you won't be left behind in the rapture, which can happen at any moment, this is what you have to do. Believe, repent, be baptized, and receive the Holy Spirit. So believe, have faith that Jesus is a Christ and he died taking your sins away forever and that he rose from the dead three days later. Repent of your sins, that is, stop sinning. You will complete 180 degree turn in your life and surrender your life to him. Be baptized by water baptism, show the world and yourself that you have died to your old life and are born again in Christ. Receive the Holy Spirit in your heart. So what are you waiting for? Invite Jesus into your heart and receive the gift of grace and the confident hope of eternal life. You don't know what to say, you don't know what to do, there's a prayer in the show notes, or you can click on over to my blog and click where it says, how to invite Jesus into your heart. Also in the bottom of today's blog, I've embedded two videos from Spoken Gospel, which give you a little bit of, of more insights on Ezra's chapter one through three, and a very pertinent hymn. It's an only but a goodie. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ the Lord. Soli Deo Gloria to God alone be the glory. Are you a born again Christian with Catholic friends or family members? Have you struggled with how to bring up the truth of Jesus' salvation? I had the same problem, so I put together a free ebook, The Catholic Mission Field in Our Backyards. It's a guide to help you start the conversation and plant the seed that will get them thinking, am I missing something? Check it out. It's a free download on my website. You'll find the link in the show notes. Oh, please 
Let me know if it helped you. If you're a born-again believer helping a Catholic friend or family member start reading the Bible, it's a great idea to give them one. But which version or translation would be a good one for them? There are too many to choose from. As a former Catholic, it helped me to have a Bible translation in plain, everyday English. And I know many evangelical Christians are very much attached to the King James Version. That's fine if that's what you grew up with. Remember, Catholics have grown up with priests and nuns telling them they don't need to read the Bible. All they have to do is trust the church to teach them what they need to know, only they don't, and that's the problem. When I first started going back to church, a well-meaning friend told me to get a King James Version. Well, guess what? I got frustrated with the these and thous and stopped reading it, totally defeating the purpose. Eventually, I got the new international version, or the NIV, and that was the best for a new Christian to get into the habit of reading the Bible daily. Today, I also study from the New King James Version, or NKJV, and the New Living Translation, the NLT. I'm now an affiliate of Christian Book Distributors, and I've chosen three study Bibles that would be a great gift for that Catholic or progressive friend whom you'd like to help get into the habit of reading the Bible daily. They are also a great, they're also great for the new Christian believer. Check them out. The link is in the show notes. And by the way, all commissions will be donated to one or more of the Bible translating ministries listed on my site. So give the gift of the word of God and help spread the word while you're at it. Thank you for listening to this episode. I pray that the Holy Spirit, the author of scripture, touched your heart to reveal the gospel truth that our hope of salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to me via my website or social media. I encourage you to read the Bible daily and seek the truth for yourself. I recommend that you download two free Bible study apps, the YouVersion Bible app and Through the Word. Friends, we are living in strange, crazy times, the last days, the end times, but know that things aren't falling apart. They are falling into place. Jesus said in Revelation 3, 20-22, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my Father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Jesus is knocking. It's up to you to open the door. Peter told us in 2 Peter 3.9, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed or perish, but wants everyone to repent. Jesus is coming back soon. Are you ready? Repent of your sins and invite Jesus into your heart right now. If you don't know what to say, there's a prayer in the show notes and on my blog. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory.